He's all-powerful, all-knowing, full of mercy and grace. A little bit of review. We're going to look at Pilate for just a second. We're going to look at verses 10, 11, and then verse 16, and then we'll actually start our message at verse 17. But look at verses 10 and 11 with me, thinking of Pilate and what's going on and what he was going through at this time. He said to Jesus, you're not speaking to me? Hey, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? He really believed that. Listen to Jesus' answer. This amazing answer as he's standing there, already beaten, already spit upon, already being attacked. This is what Jesus said. You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. So, here's Pilate. He thought that he was in a position of power. In reality, he was just simply a pawn. He was allowing himself to be manipulated by these religious rulers that were seething with anger and hate. And they would bear the greater sin. But even beyond all of this, it was God pulling the strings. God's always on the throne. Everything goes according to his ultimate plan and purpose. Everything always goes according to his ultimate plan, and purpose. He's in control. Isn't it awesome to know how much he loves you and me? We're in his hands. In times like this that we live in, boy, is that a great comfort and encouragement to me. So Pilate presumes to judge Jesus. The irony is Pilate's the one on trial here. In your notes, how a person responds to Jesus will determine whether they go to heaven or whether they spend an eternity separated from God in hell. Whether life on earth begins to take on eternal purpose and meaning or whether one's life is just going through the motions, no real purpose. Pilate knows Jesus is innocent. He stated that. He's washed his hands. But choosing to take that stand, it would be political suicide for him. So Pilate caves in to the intense pressure. Verse 16, he delivered him to be crucified. And they came and they took Jesus away. There's a legend that... a legend. Uh, that following Jesus' resurrection, Pilate's wife, Claudia, became a Christian. Pilate's plight was so much different. Eventually, he fell into the trap that the Jews were setting for him, and the Jews were able to force his removal from office. His superior ordered him back to Rome. He was disgraced. He never arrived in Rome. 
the 4th century Christian church historian Eusebius gives the account that he submitted and committed suicide on the way back to Rome. God's purpose, plan, moves forward. Verse 16 to now verse 17. And he, Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. That's where they crucified him. And two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus was in the center. Here's Pilate. The Jews have come down on him hard. They've manipulated him. They're using him. He hates it with, with every fiber of his being. So he's going to have the last word here. Verse 19. Now, Pilate wrote a title and he put it on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Verse 20. When many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. So this is Pilate's last jab, last dig at the Jews. He didn't like the fact that they'd manipulated him and bullied him into making this decision to have Jesus crucified. The religious leaders schemed and 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 worked their scheming with all of the people and forced the Roman governor to cave in. And when they see Pilate's shocking words nailed to the top of Jesus' cross, they can't believe what they're seeing. And they come hard at Pilate. You can't do that. You can't say that. Therefore, verse 21, the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews. But put, he said, I am the king of the Jews. I love what Pilate does here. He finally has a little bit of backbone. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. At least he has a little bit of courage here. His words might have been made and put up there to mock and ridicule the Jews and to get back at them. But the irony is, again, noted by John, that God is in control. Pilate wrote these words, but it was God that wanted his son to die with this proclamation on his cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. There was at least one man that day that saw that proclamation and it changed his life for not just that day but for all eternity because of Pilate's words. The man witnessed the events of the crucifixion. He witnessed Jesus' response to the torture, the mocking, the hate. He heard the words, all the words that Jesus uttered when he was hanging on Calvary's cross, and he read this inscription, well, this is Jesus. He's the king. He's the king. 
and he believed. This account is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. An inscription was written over him, Greek, Latin, Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him and said, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. The other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? Verse 41, and we indeed justly For we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I believe you are indeed the king. Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. So we move on to verse 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts, each to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top to bottom, And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, and that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. What always happened at a crucifixion, one of the things that the soldiers that were put in charge of the crucifixion crucifixion, one of the things that they would get would be the quality clothing that were on the criminals. And clothing in those days was all handmade and and wasn't made in China and was so much more expensive. And so it was something for them to get a hold of. And on your notes, number three, the Apostle John, he's witnessing These things taking place right before his eyes and he's seeing their fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Psalm 22. For John and the other disciples of Jesus, this was indisputable proof. Indisputable proof of Jesus' claims. And also proof of the caption that Pilate put on the top of the cross. King of the Jews. So look with me at Psalm 22. On the cross, written seven, eight hundred years before Jesus hung there, the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's when he became sin for me and for you. That's when his righteousness was about to be transferred for anyone who would receive him on our account. And we could be wrapped in the righteousness of him. And Psalms goes on, Psalm 22. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted 
within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. Verse 16, they pierced my hands and my feet. And the apostle and the other disciples are seeing this happen, and they're reminded of the word of God that they know, and they're astonished. Verse 18, and this was just unbelievable for John to see. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall call, shall worship before you, Jesus. Bible says every knee will someday bow before the King of Kings. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. And when Pilate put on that cross Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, he was also prophesying he is the King. And then Jesus told his disciples, I will return, King of kings, Lord of lords. Verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. Now I find this fascinating because of the fact that we know from Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 and 56, that Jesus had four half-brothers and a bunch of sisters. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? So it's not like Mary didn't have family. What was Jesus doing? Well, none of them at this time believed in Jesus. His mother Mary did. I mean, she witnessed the angel speaking to her, telling her about Jesus. And she was a virgin, and she brought forth this child and all the uh, miracles that took place. And she pondered all these things that happened. And she was with the other disciples. She was a believer. But his brothers, his sisters, they just couldn't handle it at this time. So Jesus here is bypassing the earthly bloodline and he's establishing a new family. And so doing this, he yet fulfilled another prophecy. Psalm 69.8 I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. 
A new family is formed at the cross. And for many people, this new family, being a part of the family of God, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that each of us, we're called children of God, we're, we're part of a new family. It's, it can be even more encouraging than an earthly family, especially in the days that we live in and all that's going on around us. We're members of this new family because Jesus created this family on the cross. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, everything that needed to be done for your salvation, for my salvation, for your forgiveness of sins, for my forgiveness of sins, for eternal life, to be available to you, eternal life to be available to me, to become a born again, part of a new family, a forever family. It's now all been accomplished. The scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with a sour wine and they put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Here the Apostle John shows carefully, again, Scripture is being fulfilled on the cross of Calvary. There are Old Testament Scriptures which are vivid, and they are specific types and pictures of Jesus' crucifixion. You can look at Psalm 22, you can look at Genesis 22, you can look at Isaiah 53, Leviticus 16, and many other scriptures. In fact, in your notes, there are 28 prophecies fulfilled just while Jesus is hanging on the cross. Verses 28 and 29 records the fulfillment of Psalm 69, 21. For my thirst, they gave me vinegar, sour wine, to drink. Verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He knew that everything that he needed to accomplish had been accomplished. And he declared, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. No one took his life. At any moment, Jesus could have said, Father, this is enough. And legions of angels would have invaded earth and rescued him. But he chose to die in your place and my place on the cross of Calvary. What an awesome God we have. That he would die for me. That he would take my sins upon himself. That he would do that for me. Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. Now this is the sixth word or saying that Jesus spoke from the cross. It's actually a single Greek word. Uh, 
telestai, and there are papyri receipts that were for things purchased or taxes in those days that have been recovered. And the Greek word is written across them, tel telestai, and it means literally paid in full. On your notes, this word on Jesus' lips was very significant. He meant his redemptive work of the cross was completed, that the penalty for sin, for my sin, has been absolutely paid in full. There's a story that goes like this. An eccentric old evangelist named Alexander Wooten. He was working in his shop behind his house one day and there was a neighborhood boy that had been to his meetings but had rejected what he had been told about Christ. And, and evidently the Spirit was really working on his heart. And he visited uh, and he was exasperated and, and asking him, he said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And, of course, Wooden knew him pretty well. Wooten knew him pretty well. And he said to him, well, it's too late. <laughs> and the young man became desperate. Please, isn't there something I can do to be saved? And the evangelist explained, no, it's too late for you to do anything. The work has already been done. He's messing with him. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is open your heart. And of course, at that moment, that young man opened his heart to Jesus. Why, this is the glorious gospel that we have because Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, died in my place, in our place, that we might become the righteousness of God. In him. And this is why John tells us in his gospel, John 1, verses 11 through 12, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So you open your heart to Jesus, you just simply say, Jesus, I've fallen short of your glory. I've sinned. I know that on the cross of Calvary, you died in my place for my sin. And like that criminal that was hanging beside you, I believe you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. I believe you are my Savior and that you died in my place and my sins were put upon you. And that's all it takes. And you become a child of God. You become born from above. But then as you begin to walk with the Lord, you realize, I still need help. I can't do this on my own. I can't be all that God's calling me to be, to follow Jesus in my own strength. And because he cried out on the cross, paid in full, it is finished. We come to him, 1 John 1, 9. 
Lord, I confess that I need you. I confess my sins. I confess that I tend to try to do this on my own. Here's the best part. He's faithful and he's just. On the cross, he died for my sins, for your sins. His forgiveness is there. And he goes about the job of cleansing us from all unrighteousness as we learn to walk by faith. Verse 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate, that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Verse 32, Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water came out. Now, medical surgeons and doctors tell us that the outpouring of both blood and then the water separated indicates that Jesus died literally of a ruptured or what we would call a broken, a burst heart. I love the words of the great hymn, Rock of Ages. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. It is finished. It is paid in full. Now John's eyewitness account goes like this, verse 35. And he who had seen has testified. And his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. Why? So that you might believe. Put your life in Jesus' hands. Call him your Savior and your Lord. For these things were done that the scriptures should be fulfilled. Now here's John again looking at prophecy. He is so moved by the word of God and the foundation that it gives him for his life. Objective historical proof. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again another scripture says, they shall look on him who they have pierced. In your notes, the Apostle John is again careful to point out the fulfilled prophecy, Exodus 12, Zechariah 12. What these Roman soldiers did at this time, it was not according to custom. This is not the way they worked the crucifixion. Even if someone knew that somehow instead of being stoned as the Jews usually do to their criminals, those that have broken their law, 
that somehow Jesus would be crucified, even if they knew that, they would have no idea that his bones would not be broken. But God's in control. Seven, eight hundred years before this took place. Not one of his bones shall be broken. They shall look upon him whom they have pierced. This again is proof and assurance that God is in full control of these events. And then, verse 38. After all this has taken place, they've taken Jesus down from the cross. Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate, that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, he's the, now a disciple, a religious leader who came to Jesus at night because he didn't want anyone to see him, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a 100 pounds. So here's two men once so afraid that they hung back in the dark. Now they're stepping forward. They've seen all that has taken place. Out of their love for Jesus, they have to do something. They step forward. Interesting, because of their love for Jesus and stepping forward, no matter what the consequences even this fulfills another prophecy that they have no idea about at the time. Isaiah 53, 9. He had done no wrong, but he was buried like a criminal, and he was put in a rich man's grave. Verse 40. They took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus. Because of the Jews' preparation day, they had to do something with the body. They had to take him down. And the tomb was nearby, and Joseph was willing to give his tomb. Nicodemus and Joseph, they're risking excommunication, ridicule, possibly their lives as they're stepping forward for their love for Jesus. And just a, an, another word about Joseph. You know, garden tombs like this, we understand, were extremely expensive. It was quite a sacrifice for Joseph to give his up. But here's the good news. Jesus is only going to need it for three days. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you could turn back to slide 23. There we go. Would you stand with me? And just close our service together.
Repeat with me the words to this song. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from my wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. O oh, Jesus, we can't express our gratitude for who you are, our God, that would become one of us. Go to the cross and willingly take my place. Take our place. And when you'd accomplished it all, you announced, paid in full. It is finished. We just worship you. Give our hearts to to you anew, thanking you for who you are and what you've done for us that we could not do for ourselves. And Lord, help us not to keep that to ourselves, but help us to share the good news of who you are. Oh, come on, people might say. You can't believe that. Oh, yes, I can. Let me show you the prophecies that give us historical proof of who you are who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And all you have to do is believe. Thank you, Lord, for dying in our place, giving us eternal life, and walking with us now through this life and the hope and the future that you give. We worship you and close this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming today. May the Lord richly bless you and encourage you and protect you in these days that we live in. God bless.